Welcome to the Agile Career Podcast, where we will take you on the journey from employed for life to employable for life. We'll give you the tips, insights, and strategies to help you build the transferable skills that you'll need. So let's get started. Please welcome your host, Gunter Richter. Hello, listeners, and welcome to season two of the Agile Career Podcast. I'm really chuffed to be here today. Uh, I can't believe that we've already got season one underneath our belts, 25 episodes. It seems like it's gone so quickly. Uh, Again, I just want to say thank you to all of your support as listeners for uh, all of the listening, I guess, and feedback and um, interaction through season one. And also a very big thank you to all of the guests who gave their time so freely, their advice and their insights to appear on episodes in season one. Um, there's some great nuggets of insight there. We've got a back catalogue now, so although we're only into episode one of our second season, please feel free to jump on to any episode of the, f- the first season, work your way through them. As I said, so many great guests, so much insight. So yeah, do enjoy those previous episodes. So um, season two, yes, just before the end of 2020, it's been a bit of a challenging year, I guess. It's been an interesting one. But we're looking past all of that. We're focusing on the good things. We're focusing on building our transferable skills. We're focusing on unlocking opportunities in our careers and our lives. So let's just crack on with that and think what have we got in plan for season two of the Agile podcast. So I've got some really exciting things and these are just a few ideas that are sort of buzzing around at the moment. Uh, I'm looking at doing a bit of video. So um, not, not obviously it's a podcast, so it's all audio, but getting up some of the interviews on something like YouTube, uh, if that is your preferred uh, platform for consuming content, you can go along and, uh, you know, watch the podcast interviews. Um, looking at getting some career coaching tools up and available to the audience that you can go and uh, put into practice to help you shape up your career and build some of those transferable skills. Maybe even looking at doing a live event, um, some form of webinar or an extended kind of mastermind where listeners can join, ask questions, you know, share ideas and those sorts of things. And of course, more great guests. So, you know, this is really what the podcast is built around is having great guests that can come on and share their insights and experiences. So, Those are some of the ideas that are lined up for season two. Please, I'd love for you to get in touch. Give me your ideas. Let me know what you'd like to hear on the show. Let me know the kind of guests you like on on the show, and I'll try my best to go out and get them. I really want this show to be for you, uh, about you, the listeners, to help you build those transferable skills. So reach out to me via the podcast page. Or drop me a note at info at gunterrichter.com. Uh, I'm always up for a chat, so just go ahead and do it. Well, enough about that. Let's crack on now with the next episode. Um, I, I, I should say the audio in this episode is not up to its what well, not its usual standard. Um, I was I was kind of traveling a bit between between lockdowns, uh, so using slightly different equipment, but the content is great. Enjoy episode one of season two. As usual, I've got a really great guest today. Uh, and today's guest uh, has built his career around helping others, uh, specifically starting and running their own businesses. Uh, he describes this as his passion, as helping others develop their ideas and achieve their dreams. 
Um, but without further ado, I'd like to introduce Felix Wong, who's coming to us from Hong Kong today. Hi, Felix. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad you could make it onto the show. And, and as I said earlier on, I'm glad, you know, we got all the time zones to align and that sort of thing. Um, I, I guess before we get stuck into some of the detail, Felix, do you want to take a couple of moments and just introduce yourself and talk a little bit about, you know, what your role is at the moment? Sounds great. No problem. So first of all, uh, Gunda and I got connected through Growth Mentor, which is a growth marketers communities uh, designed to help aspiring marketers, entrepreneurs to go through their journeys from many different aspects. I joined a community early this year. I was inspired by lots of fellow mentors as we're learning a lot from the mentees as well. And that's my personal driving force, helping people uh, contribute to startup ecosystems and eventually all learn together, grow together. Currently, I'm spending most of my time uh, still with my full-time job as a micro VC here in Hong Kong, where we are investing startups across Asia and Europe. Previously, I was involved in multiple sectors and industries from accelerator programs, have my own companies, co-working spaces. I spent some time in traditional companies as well. And I think that's the idea how, why we put up this conversation is to discover how um, people like um, all the audience right here, uh, you and I, and jump ship from one sector to another, discover a new path, learn new skills, and eventually build up your own career portfolio you know that, that's absolutely right and as you say you know at the moment you're very much focused in the the sort of vc space and um but you talked about shared workspaces you talked about running your own gig and i think these are the sort of interesting conversations and you know it's going to be really interesting to understand the sorts of skills and lessons you learned on you know going through that journey and those those skills that you could use to move into your new role and and um you know, really apply them and also, I guess, understand some of the gaps, you know, when you moved into a new role. Um, but I guess, you know, looking at kind of where your career is now, and as you say, focus very much on the venture capital space. Looking back when you were at school, I guess, perhaps towards the end of school, what was your thinking in terms of your career choice? Where did you see yourself moving into as a career? Great. That's a good question. So I graduated seven years ago. Uh, I was born and raised in Hong Kong, and then I spent my high school and university time in, in the UK. So um, I had a major in mathematics. Uh, when I was in university, I have no idea what I'm going to do after I finish my, my degree. And then even though a lot of peer, my, my families and uh, relatives, they most of them, they uh, think I'm going to be either a teacher or continue my study at least just to spend more time at school to further explore my, my nerdy um, academic backgrounds. And when I, when I graduated, the funny thing is um, big data, artificial intelligence pops up. And that's why and how the industries require lots of talents from mathematics to engineering and data science backgrounds. And that's how I get into uh, my first job in a tech company as a data scientist. I have no idea this is happening, but then when I got into the interviews all the way um, to the day I received my, my offer, I was really surprised and inspired why this is happening so much different than what people expected. And I think this is something where I really want to do, um, making use of my knowledge in, in data, mathematics, and eventually helping companies succeed. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great description. And I like that, that you spoke about, you know, the emergence of AI and thinking about the talents that it required from different backgrounds. You know, one of the things we often speak about on the show is that when you are in university, and especially when we, we think probably about, um, you know, I went to university a lot longer the, ago than you did, most of the jobs that exist today didn't exist when we were studying. Absolutely. And, um, and I think you drew out some key themes there in terms of saying AI required, you know, these disciplines from science and engineering and mathematics. So, um, and uh, I guess, as you said as well, many people when they in uh, college or university don't really know what, what their career looks like or they, they, they're going to do. So, um, so yeah, no, that, that, that makes total sense. So you said then you, you, you got that, you, you landed your first role, which was at Ryko, I think. Um, yes, it was a copier company. Yeah, that's I think the, the brand name we the, the, we we all know um, so as a data scientist, and I guess what was it like moving from that academic environment, you know, so having uh, you know done that mathematical science degree and now moving into applying some of those concepts in the real world, what was that move like for you? There's so many ups and downs in like roller coaster journey uh, in between my corporate career as a data scientist all the way to what I'm doing right now, and I think. I would re really appreciate the day when a friend invited me to participate in a hackathon during my corporate career. I have no idea about startups, entrepreneurships, and my friend just really encouraged me to, you should really turn up. I know you have a lot of ideas and you are always looking for stuff to, to contribute. Then I, I turn up the hackathon. I have no idea about what is when it's hackathon. The day when I show up, I saw lots of, aspiring individuals from multiple backgrounds, designers, business, people just really HR passionate about using their free time throughout the weekend to do stuff, solve real world problems, and eventually build something where they can solve problems for, for companies or um, consumers like us. I was really inspired by how people can do stuff in just a short period of time. And when I uh, finished the events back to office on Monday, I was like asking myself, do I want to come back to the office again? I was really struggled. And the answer is no. Then I give myself some time to participate in more events, more hackathons, and eventually found a group of people where we have a lot of uh, characteristics in common. And eventually we founded our first company. And long story short, in three months, we have our own customers, companies take off. And I decided to uh, resign from my full-time job and become a, a ramen entrepreneur. So, I mean, that, that first hackathon that you attended was a pivotal moment. Uh, yes. Thinking back now, um, and, and again, this is a theme that often comes up in, in interviews, is that people talk about opportunities and, you know, that they're so glad that they jumped at that opportunity because I think, I mean, if you had said no to that hackathon, things might be a bit different today in terms of where you'd landed up. So... Uh, I think that's a good testament to spotting those opportunities and, and taking those opportunities, saying yes, and, you know, putting up your hand and, um, and ultimately finding that new path. So I think that's a, that's a great story. Yeah, totally. Um, and I guess moving from, think about that structured corporate environment at RICO, because I, th I think you, you know, you were there through a couple of roles, moving into starting your own, um, your, your own business. What was that transition like? So 
back then the founding team was actually founded way before we get connected during the hackathon. Um, there are a couple of really uh, passionate individuals from business, marketing, and design backgrounds, and they are trying to put up a solution. So we're heavily rely on data scientists. So we, we got connected immediately because they, they've been looking for a person like myself for, for such a long time. And throughout the hackathon, the hackathon provided a platform for us to connect. And that's how, how we kickstart the story. They're look, looking for people who can build algorithms, analyze data, and provide insights for, for their customers. And uh, that's how I bring in my, my knowledge and experience, really building up the product from scratch, uh, making use of what I learned from university, like R, MATLAB, all these early technologies and uh, algorithm designs uh, uh, methodologies. And I think um, that's the first moment uh, I was really impressed and satisfied because I can finally make use of something I learned from university and apply to another spectrums where I want to spend my career, which is startups, entrepreneurs have my own businesses, and eventually these uh, skills as are finally useful. That's a great point you make. Um, you know, often we sit in, 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 in the classroom in university and you think, where will I ever be using some of these things that I'm, that I'm learning? And um, I think, you know, you, you sort of described really nicely how you bridge that gap from that academic world into bringing these things to life and, and, and to reality. And I think the other thing that, that resonates with me is, is, where you talked about through the hackathon and I've kind of made some notes here and I've said, you know, finding your tribe, you you found those group of people, you know, that had the similar thoughts to you, you you know, were sort of heading in the same direction and there was a good mix of skills. As you say, you brought those skills to the group uh, that they needed, uh, you know, so, so that worked quite, quite nicely. But I I guess thinking, you know, there was still quite earlier in your career, you know, how did you, because I guess it's quite a tough decision to say, I'm going to move from this corporate environment that's, and, and I'm, you know, doing air quotes here because people are listening and they can't see the video, but, um, you know, the safety and security of a full-time kind of corporate job, um, you know, how did you reconcile that risk moving to your own company or your, or your own startup? Yes, that's a really emotional question. <laughs> I think the, the major critical decisions making part was um, how should I explain to to my peers, my my parents, my relatives. I think that's more Asian uh, families uh, consider. They expect their kids will, you know, graduate from universities, uh, work for a decent job and eventually uh, take certain responsibility with the family as well. And then the way I uh, transformed uh, this mindset was like, because I, I was still young, first of all, I only spent two years with the corporate. I have achieved certain uh, good traction with the company in three in two years with the first corporate jobs I promoted three times. Supposed to be a bright career and supposed to be um, a, a job where I can spend a few more years before I decided to do something else. But then I was like... Um, Am I going to come across opportunities like this, working for a startup, having my own gig again, uh, maybe another three months or another year? I was like, maybe not. So I think this is really a great moment for me to take another challenge to see if I can really build something myself, take care of myself, even though 
I have less uh, benefits and uh, compensations from what I used to earn. But then I feel like I made the right decision. Uh, the things I learned from my own company, uh, how I uh, train myself to be more disciplined, be more responsible, is so much uh, different than what I learned from universities and my first corporate jobs. So I'm glad I made the decision and I'm glad uh, my family is also really supportive uh, when I translate myself from an employee to become a business owner. Yeah, no, no, that's a, a good way of describing it because it's often this internal conflict thinking, well, I'm in a good role here. As you say, you know, you've been promoted three times. Um, you know, what am I giving up? But I guess the way you described it was almost like an investment. You know, you perhaps we're going to earn a little bit less. There was a little more risk, but but ultimately you were investing in yourself and, and your future. So I think that's a great way you've described it. I guess, and working in that startup environment, you know, what were the skills that you took along from your first two years working in the corporate environment? You know, what were the things that sprung out and you could immediately apply on a day-to-day basis? I think I'm glad to have met uh, a few uh, managers in my first job where they're really influential, first of all, really caring. So I really uh, brought along these um, skills and also uh, mindset to apply in my own company. At the end of the day, um, as a founding team, uh, we have lots of responsibility where we have to deal with. from setting up the company, legal, accounting, even buying the furniture for the company, setting up the culture, uh, buying the right coffee beans, every decision has to be go through us. So it's really important for us to create uh, a good culture with the company, uh, with our employees as well as our interns, so that we can create an endowment where people really uh, want to come to work first of all and contribute their, their time and skill sets. And I'm glad, again, um, what I learned from my managers back then and uh, the culture of Rico really reshaped how I think and uh, create my own philosophy of running uh, the company uh, myself with also my founding team fellows. You know, that's, those are some really good things there. And I, I think the one I'd want to draw on is, is culture because, uh, as you say, you know, you want to make... you know, whatever startup you're creating, you want to make it an attractive place for people to come. Um, And it's, I think, often something that's kind of left on its its own and left to develop by itself uh, and not really a conscious thought. So I think that's a great thing because I think many people now that are looking at moving jobs or changing jobs do look for what is that organizational culture like that that I'm moving to? Is it going to be a good place to work with? Uh, or at, or is it going to be a terrible place to work at? So uh, it's it's good that you really, you drew that out. And I guess thinking about, um, so, you know, you described those are the bits that you took forward from your, your career at Ryco. What were the sort of gaps you, you spotted? You know, you got into this new mode and you thought, oh, hang on a second. There must be some stuff that I, I don't know. How, you know, what were those sort of things and how did you close those gaps? We, we fell a lot. Uh, it was my, my first time founding a company. But some of my fellow founding members, is, it, was, it wasn't their first time. So they already have a picture of how the potential obstacle lo- looks like. But for me, it was totally different. I, I got to learn a lot how to do um, 
what usual startups should do, like arrange our schedules, uh, hiring people, and even develop my extra skill sets. Just to give a quick examples, like um, as a tech companies, uh, business marketing, design, technologies, data science, these uh, skills and areas are equally important. However, we don't have a full-time uh, CTO with us. Uh, we have a strong part-time CTO. We're really committed. But when, you, when it comes to the, the daytime working together, collaborations, there's always something missing because the person is not next to you all the time. So the way we break it full is we know uh, at some point we might need certain person or people, maybe a team to, to take over the technology development. And we just don't want to wait. There's no point to wait at a startup. Every minute's worth a million dollars. So the way we break it through is um, we try to learn. Uh, we uh, take up uh, courses like Kokodami, uh, some YouTube videos, just to give ourselves an understanding how does coding looks like? How can we uh, better communicate with our developers so that even though our team are not a full-time employees, we can still better communicate with them. We know the terminologies. We know how long does it take to put up a feature. We know how long does it take or maybe what uh, coding languages require to create a completely new functionality. And I'm glad we, we take up the, the opportunity to learn the, the skill of coding, although we are still not consider ourselves as a developers. But we, we see so much different when we learn a new skill, learn how to communicate these techy languages. We can see huge improvement of our communications, how we make decisions, how we uh, uh, prioritize our work. And even though uh, we still don't have a, a full-time tech person back then, these uh, knowledge gaps is closing uh, very much uh, narrow than before. And it was really, um, a good experience, I would say. That's really interesting because one of the previous guests on the podcast um, started her career as a developer, software developer. And um, one of the things that she, I think, requested was being placed in the middle of the business so she could learn the operations of the business, the day-to-day -day functioning and the processes and all of those things. And I like the way that you described it because you almost kind of flipped that on its head and saying, you know, as a non-techie, you needed to invest some of your time to develop those technical skills. Um, not that you were going to be coding uh, the, the product, but that you could communicate with your development teams. And uh, I think that's, that's a great takeaway because at the end of the day, that, that skill is communication, you, you know, whether it's talking to a customer or whether it's talking to a supplier, or in this case, talking to your internal uh, development team. So I think that's a that that's a great takeaway. And also some of the um, some of the uh, resources you mentioned there, like YouTube and Code Academy. Uh, you, you know, there's no excuses why people can't go out and learn those skills because all the stuffs the stuffs out there. You just need to uh, make the time and and go and do it. And um, I think I've got a little question that relates to this a little bit later on, but I'll I'll save that as we move through the show. Um. Okay, so uh, that, that was your time in, in the startup, but I guess it came a time to move again and, and, and you moved on from, uh, from there. What was your next move? So uh, I spent one year with the founding team. It was really amazing. 
And but in just one year, as we mentioned earlier, uh, myself learned a lot. The founding team grow a lot, and the companies really takes off. And at the same time, I I sort of discover my second passions in the uh, entrepreneur scene, which is community building. And uh, why I discovered this skill is uh, when I was working on my own startup. I also volunteer my time to host hackathons, to organize events in the evenings, weekend. So the startup ecosystem players got to see me a lot, not only because of my company, but also um, the way I contribute, uh, the way I appear in multiple uh, scenarios. And I sort of like, it started to see myself spending more time in community buildings than my own company. So I realized this is maybe something I should further develop. So I got in touch with another company and eventually they uh, want me to join a team uh, at The Wave, uh, which is a co-working space and community in Hong Kong supporting early stage startup entrepreneurs. I will say it was a really great experience for me to, to lead a team working for another company and really uh, pursue my, my journey in community building. So I, I said goodbye to my founding team. It was really emotional that that evening, I still remember. Uh, everybody cried because I, I can feel when people, when my founding team uh, cried, I, uh, it's sort of emotional. At the same time, it proves uh, how much, how much, how important they see our relationships. But at the same time, uh, they're really supportive for me to pursue a second career in community building. And um, I'm glad I make another right decisions, uh, moving from my own company, my own baby to, to work for another startup. I mean, that, that is indeed a tough decision. And um, and the, the notes that I'd made prior to the show was kind of looking at your time at, at, at The Wave. And then I guess after that at Techstars, there was this distinct shift from um, from where you were to this, this view of community. And um, I really liked the bit that you described about building out your community. And, you know, you spend more time ultimately doing that externally than you were with, within your own organization. Uh, and I think that's a great takeaway to um, people listening that, you know, I guess if you, if you want to develop a skill in a certain uh, domain or you want to be seen as the person who's knowledgeable, um, you know, doing things as you did them, running those hackathons, getting visible in the community, and, and I think giving, giving and sharing um, is the ideal tool to sort of build that profile and, and become seen as the go-to person when they think about, uh, you know, whether it's um, growth hacking or whether it's, uh, you know, um, a marketing automation or whatever it is. Um, build up that profile and be seen as that go-to person because you're so prominent in the community and you know you've, you've given a lot to that community so I think that's a great great piece of advice and what you know I guess then kind of moving back into into you know out of your your own startup and into another organization what what, what was that like in terms of some of the new things you might have to adjust to so first of all, I pivoted myself from being a data scientist to a growth marketer in between the transitions of running my own company to the other company who support community building. So in short, it's a company, uh, a spin-off from my family office. And uh, they were putting resources and time investment into building more support and resources to help budding entrepreneurs succeed. And I sort of figured out this is a true passion where I really want to uh, extend my career because when I, when I run my own company, it was really amazing, satisfied. Uh, I, I feel good. But 
how can we allow more people to access these industries and era is something even more uh, motivates myself. So I think community buildings, entrepreneurship educations is the only way where we can help more people realize the beauty of entrepreneurships. And I want to be the person to drive this. So I joined the company and um, uh, to do multiple things such as running the growth team, uh, curate the events and programs and uh, resources where budding entrepreneurs or first-time founders need. Uh, you can imagine so we do everything from running hackathons, networking, putting one business to another in touch, or we also do our outreach as well just to create visibility to our members. And basically just to help uh, founders minimize their risk by providing the, the right knowledge and resources to them. It's interesting that you, the way you've described it, because when we started talking and, you know, we started talking about your time at university and, you know, you said not knowing where you were going to head with your career, one of the things, and especially you thought friends and family would say you would become a teacher. Um, and, and I guess, you know, perhaps not a teacher in the traditional sense of sitting in a classroom and instructing 20 or 30 kids, but the statement you just made about, you know, how can we allow more people to experience or, or kind of get the joy or the fulfillment that you got as a startup founder, uh, I guess is an element of teaching as well. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see that that, that thread through your career um, and you didn't make the conscious decision to become a teacher. So that, that's a really interesting, I think, takeaway or, or a bit of insight that, that that's come out there. Yes, my, my girlfriend always make this joke. Uh, she said, you, you are really a good teacher. You can basically teach anything. And I was like, no, I'm not a teacher. I'm, I'm just telling story. I'm just telling what I understand, what I passionate. But yes, I, I've been pretty much in touch with a lot of um, institutions, universities who support entrepreneurship educations. Um, and I sort of, Think about this, actually, uh, maybe I will eventually become a teacher uh, later, not now, because um, I, I really realized the beauty of, of education these, just these couple of years, because um, knowledge education can really help change lives, uh, whatever knowledge or education, it could be startups, it could be the traditional um, knowledge where we learn from universities. And I believe giving people the access to knowledge does change a lot, like connecting people, knowing new things, knowing how to communicate, just like how I communicate with the developers, just like how I communicate with uh, early stage entrepreneurs. And I believe all these things are backed by knowledge and, and education. Yeah, I mean, you've made a few, some really great points there. And uh, I guess the one you spoke about story, you, you said, you know, you said to your girlfriend, you just tell stories. But I mean, I, I don't think there's a better way to learn uh, or to teach because uh, stories resonate with us. You know, it's much better listening to someone's story uh, than just kind of hearing someone reeling off a bunch of facts. So I think that's a really good skill, uh, you know, to highlight to listeners there is the skill of storytelling uh, as a way to you know, either um, talk about your personal mission or your personal values or to convey your experience. Uh, and as you've done, you know, um, unlocking the beauty of education and giving people access to knowledge, you know, whether it's through a formal platform or whether it's through the, I guess, the medium of storytelling, I think that's that's a really good takeaway there. Great. So um, again, so growth manager at The Wave and uh, I guess then 
again, also very focused in the, the startup space because it was a co-working space where I guess you're going to interact with a lot of entrepreneurs and, and startup uh, companies and founders. Um, I think then your next move was on to Techstars, uh, which I guess was really, really fully focused on the community manager role then. Yes, uh, with, with Techstars, I spent almost uh, three years with them. So um, the day I received the uh, invitation to join the team, I was really surprised and uh, really grateful. First of all, uh, Techstars is an amazing company in the startup ecosystem, uh, arguably the top three startup accelerators uh, after Y Combinator. And uh, I, I was really um, surprised to receive the opportunity to take over a major positions in leading the Asia Pacific expansions with a focus of Hong Kong, Greater China and Taiwan. So I get a, a, another wave of learning and experience exposure to, to connect to really um, catalyst the ecosystem here in Asia connecting different stakeholders from working space, startups, entrepreneurs, uh, even governments, some state agencies, a really tough uh, conversation, but provided me myself a lot of uh, challenges, how I can deal with different stakeholders to fulfill their, their needs and wants, and eventually at the same time, promote the beauty of entrepreneurship. Sorry, you just caught me with a mouthful of coffee there. <laughs> so, no, I think, um, I mean, that's a really great description. And I think, again, what's emerging is, you know, we talk about startups and we talk about um, uh, tech skills and dev skills. And, you know, the company you were at was Tech Stars. And you, you, we probably think about it as, you know, we're in the tech industry, but the more and more you describe it, we're kind of more in the relationship and the people industry. Um, as you said, you know, working with our stakeholders, especially perhaps tough regulatory or government type of agencies, it all, it's all down to people skills at the end. Um, and, you know, the, the technology is just a component of what we do. Um, but I guess the, where the real rubber meets the road is that, that developing those people skills and being able to develop those relationships and, and nurture those relationships. So, again, that's, that's a really good takeaway for me is, is, is around the, the, the people side of things. Um, yeah. Then you spent a few, um, a bit of time at Techstars, uh, which I guess was now before moving on to your, your current role uh, at, at Angel Hub. And um, I mean, uh, kind of what led you on to that next? Because you said the, the, the thing about Techstars, you were very surprised to have received an invitation to join. Um, so, you know, it sounded like a very, uh, I guess, um, a, a kind of um, a really good place to work at you know, what led to your moving, moving on from there to, to Angel Hub? Yeah, I think there's a concept right here where I review my own career every quarter, actually. So I often look at uh, what I did in the past, what I'm doing, what's the gaps, how can I advance my career? I sort of have this uh, a score sheet on my notion where with different check boxes such as Okay, I worked for a corporate two years. I founded a company for one year and then I worked for a family office one year. Then I worked for the best accelerator and venture fund tech stars for almost three years. So what is missing, I was like, and then I also look at what industries I've been involved with. Uh, then I sort of come into a, a conclusions where I already gone through many steps throughout the entrepreneurship cycle, like founding company, helping people succeed, investing, accelerating. And now I'm with Angel Hub because 
is another new industries I never discovered before. Um, secondly, is the only company here in my regions who who got regulated to do these things where we can really get a taste and help other people succeed. And in short, uh, what we do is uh, equity crowdfunding and investment. So it's so much different than what I do from being a data scientist all the way to the founders, community builders, and eventually, um, you know, half of my fifth in investing right now. So I think these kind of ups and downs experience give myself an all-rounded understanding of how entrepreneurs made how to build a successful startups and eventually give myself more credibility of helping people, helping startups and more understanding towards both back and forth, ups and downs, and also the bright side and dark side of, of startups. There's two really good things you said there that I want to draw on. And the one is you said you, you review, sorry, you review your career every, every quarter. Uh, I think, which, which is a, which is an interesting concept because often people will, you know, kind of look at the calendar and say, oh, I've been in this job for five years. Now what, you know, and it's kind of very retrospective rather than looking forward. So I think that's a good point. And, and then the other one you said is about the score sheets you've, you've set up. Um, I guess in the your case using Notion, but I, I suppose anyway, you can do it on, on paper or whatever tool you choose. Um, how did you go about listing out what those topics were on the score sheets to say, you know, these are the things you want to tick off? Uh, you know, what was the sort of approach you used to get that list of, I don't know, 10, 20 things? So uh, first of all, uh, um, I have a couple of lists regarding the, the stage of company. So idea stage, uh, C stage, series A, all the way to unicorn, IPO, this sort of category. Then I have a list of roles I have participated in, such as um, the, the vertical position, like data science, marketing, community building, business development, design, etc. And then I have another roles of like industry, like IT, finance, healthcare, logistics, etc. And also the seniority, like how I build up my career all the way from uh, a specialist to become a manager and eventually taking over a team. So I check off my checkbox on a quarterly basis to see if I have already achieved uh, the career that I am um, envisioning. And I will also revisit to my uh, score sheet to see why this checkbox still exists. What is missing? Do I need extra skills? Do I... I need to jump from one company to another in order to take this checkbox off. So I do this uh, quarterly basis. And as you can see on my backgrounds, I, I do have some companies which I only work for one year, some two years, and maybe three as well. Throughout a seven years career first out from college. It's kind of annoying. Uh, some people said because people might question whether these people got fired or he just, you know, jumpy. And I was like, um, there's no right or wrong. Uh, to take different opportunities and different roles throughout our career. The idea is just to give myself to learn new things as fast as possible so okay, I can really discover and, and realize what I really want to spend my time. You know, I think that's, that's, that's great because you're right. People will often look at a, a CV and think, ah, you know, this person's had like 20 jobs in the last four years. Um, how long are they going to stay with me? Uh, you know, but again, that's looking at it from the employer's perspective. And, you know, you've come at it very much from developing yourself, which is the right thing to do, thinking about 
what are those skills I want to be developing? And also, as you say, coming back and thinking, I've got an open checkbox here. Is this still relevant? Maybe it's not anymore. So let's take that off the list, put something new on the list. So I think that's a great way of constantly kind of evaluating your situation, you know, and, and understanding your, your direction of travel. So I think that's a, that's a great takeaway. Great. Um, one of the things that, that jumped out a lot for me um, was um, we were sort of putting together some of the questions for the show were your passion projects. Um, so I kind of move off the, the sort of W hub and angel uh, sort of hub roles at the moment. Um, and, and thinking specifically about ventures list, uh, your, your virtual Mojito uh, project, and then uh, I guess uh, Z slides or slides. I'm not sure how you'd, you'd pronounce it, you know, um, talk to me a little around your thinking, uh, you know, what are these passion projects for? Yeah, you pronounce all these projects correctly, first of all. And I'm glad you really spent some time to look at this. I, I feel really appreciate. Um, in short, I started running side projects. My first side project officially with Slice uh, almost exactly a year ago. Um, there's a few reasons uh, uh, why I put up a side projects. First, I realized sometimes when you notice or recognize a problems where you want to solve but with the existing resources where you cannot or maybe with the policies or the restrictions constraints with your full-time role where you cannot take away these problems or make the problems at least you know as minimal as possible so uh, it's really irritating uh, when sometime in your full-time job you notice something you can't really take an actions so i think side projects is a way where i can solve this uh, emotional contradiction with myself and also the company I work for and try to um, stay away from as much as conflict of interest as possible. So just to give a quick example, uh, Slice is uh, a passion project where I put up a pitch deck presentation designs every week. Since I, since I started last year, I put up a new pitch that completely new designs on my Instagrams every week and I haven't stopped any week ever since then. And the idea is just to give people more inspirations how they can create a better presentations either on PowerPoints, Google Slides or Keynotes. And I do this because as an entrepreneur back then I got an opportunity to, to present a lot in front of people, no matter it's with investors, uh, competitions or trade shows. And now, um, been working for investment firm back then with Texas, I got a lot of opportunity to review pitch decks, give feedback to people, and help people create better presentations. But still, you, you see a lot of presentation slides where you can't really spend time to look at. Uh, it's very inconsistent. And I was like, how can I make use my skills and experience to help more people prepare better slides where they can translate idea, content, and into a storytelling. So I started Slice because uh, I believe um, content, storytelling, and designs are equally important in building a present, successful presentations. So uh, I've been doing this uh, in my free time, uh, evening, weekend, put out new designs. I handpick a random company, and then I just built a presentation deck from scratch and published on Instagrams. And now I'm also selling templates on my website. And I'm glad a lot of, I just crossed a thousand downloads last week. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Great. And um, 
One of the other ones uh, is the, the the virtual Mojito, um, and because uh, I think from from what I saw, you built that using Notion. Um, yeah. And one of the other things you talk a lot about is is no code. Uh, yeah. and, and I guess, you know, as you previously described, you, you know, you learned a lot of coding skills and you, you weren't necessarily a, a coder or a platform developer. Um, you know, what, what advice would you give to non-technical people about developing technical skills? Yep. So, uh, yes, I, I took some course uh, learning how to do uh, front-end like HTML, CSS, JavaScript before. Although I have a certain amount of understanding, but I'm still not a developer because I'm not doing this on a daily basis. I, I learn a little, I can read, but I can't really compare. So um, there's still a huge gap uh, for me to become a, a front-end developer, arguably. But now with the emerge of uh, no-code ecosystem, there's so many resources and softwares where allow people to build something uh, without a single line of code. Uh, just to give a few examples, building a landing page, websites, or even the platforms, application. Nowadays, you don't really need a developer anymore. But these no-code tools are not replacing developers. You still need developers at some point to make your product more scalable and more advanced. But no-code tools allow people to really translate your idea instantly in no time. You take some tutorials, read the guidelines, and I'm sure you can build something in throughout a weekend. So um, I've been following the no-code ecosystem for a couple months uh, because of people was locked in their home because of the pandemic. So a lot of people are trying to, to do something uh, to make use of their time. And these no-code tools filling the gap provide an opportunity to really translate idea into a business. And uh, I'm glad I, I tried and built a lot of all these things using no-code tools and it works and people... Uh, really enjoy using these products. And I think one last thing I want to mention is at the end of the day, your customers don't really care about what technology you use behind. They care about whether you can solve the problems. And if no cook tools can build something to help your customers make their problems disappear, it is a great product. It's not because you have some advanced technology like AI, blockchain, machine learning behind. It's because how you can solve the problem. And I think that's a great takeaway. And, you know, you can even translate that into, uh, you know, as an individual, when I'm pitching myself to, to your company as a new employee, you know, yes, I can code HTML or, or CSS or, or JavaScript. But apart from that, you know, what, what, what problems can I solve? What's the value that I'm bringing? You know, um, so I think that's a really great way to describe it. And I think even as an individual, if you're thinking about um, doing a side hustle or, or, or passion project or, thinking about starting up your own gig the barrier to entry is very low with these tools you, you know you don't have to stand up a whole platform and you know you don't have to think about um learning some really deep technical skills or forking out money to to get those skills you know you can do it yourself with 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 these tools so i think um that that's a great piece of advice and i think even if you aren't in the technical space or you're not a technical person having an appreciation of the, the, the tools and, and those sorts of things is important. So I think that's a, that's a really great takeaway. Um, so I guess um, thinking about how you ultimately kind of moved into the space you are now, 
Um, it, it it's a um, I'm just trying to think of it. I, I guess it's a kind of two sided market where you you know you're bringing together startups, you're bringing together funders. There's all these other stakeholders as well. Um, it, it's a fairly complex and quickly changing market uh, or environment. How do you keep yourself up to date and learning with with all of new emerging, not necessarily technologies, but themes and, and those sorts of things? You're absolutely true. Um, so much information out there. Uh, the market is changing rapidly. You always have to uh, keep yourself updated, no matter you are in the industries, what scenario you are. Uh, it's really important to learn. Um, the fun fact is when I was in university, I, I don't read much uh, because at mathematics school, I, I don't have to um, do much presentation. I have no group work. I basically rarely speak throughout my uh, university life. But when it comes into the entrepreneur ecosystem, everything just force yourself to learn, to connect quickly. Otherwise, you miss out lots of information. You will be so much behind from the market. So I sort of uh, created uh, a regular routine uh, just to keep myself updated for multiple things, either things that I'm passionate about, either things that I should uh, go deeper or maybe things that I just uh, purely uh, interested. So um, in short, I, my primary uh, position is as a growth marketer. So for me, it's really important to keep myself updated into the latest marketing technologies, how to grow hacks, and what other um, new marketing terminologies or, or platforms or, or channels come up. So I subscribe to lots of newsletters and I try to read most of them in the early morning uh, when I'm having breakfast mm-hmm. or coffee so that I can really refresh my mind and help myself uh, jump into the working mode before I literally work in. And uh, I also have another practice where I uh, categorize uh, all the learning resources I have. Um, whenever I read an article, I will make sure I uh, jot it down on my air table, categorize uh, what, what is some key learnings from the article. And then uh, there's a hack I use all the time is whenever I completed an article, I will make sure myself to connect the author. So just to uh, build a relationship, start a conversation, it could be something like, hey, uh, Foti, I read an article about building a growth marketer community. But there's something I don't understand in your article. Would you mind to explain and extend a conversation? 200% of the author will receive and accept your invitation because they realize there's a readers out there. They love to start conversation. And that's how I uh, compound the learning um, experience and also uh, build connections with the author directly. And that's how I... Uh, learn, read, and uh, make my connections all together. I think that, that's an awesome piece of advice, uh, you know, and it's it's very different from the sort of experience often on LinkedIn where someone will send you something and say, hey, I'm a B2B marketing expert and I'll sell you a thousand leads. You know, you're like, no, <laughs> you know, yes. but I think, uh, you know, as, as you've described, it's about building relationships and, and, um, and, and, and thinking beyond that transactional type of thing. So I think that's a really, really great piece of advice. Um, okay, uh, Felix, this has been brilliant. You've shared so much. Um, we've gotten so much insight out of this chat. I've made loads of notes. 
So of course, I'm going to share all of these in the show notes. Um, so, you know, it's been great you sharing your, your experience and story, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, I guess before we end off, just a couple of short questions. Um, is there any, I mean, you've mentioned some really great learning resources and, and learning hacks as well, but um, is there any particular book that you're reading at the moment that, that, that you'd recommend to listeners? Yes, I just finished um, uh, What You Do Is Who You Are by Ben Horowitz. So it was a great book about leadership, creating a business culture. Um, although he is one of the best venture capitalists globally, but this book is not about why he invests, how to invest, but really about all the struggle of being a leader, how to lead a team, how to uh, walk through those difficult moments. Uh, you'll be surprised he used a lot of interesting experience uh, examples not about himself, but also the people he met casually, professionally, and also from, uh, from family. So it's really a great read. And I learned a lot how to apply into my own team. And I absolutely recommend uh, you take a look at uh, what you do is who you are. Okay, that's a great recommendation. And I'll put that on the show notes as well so readers can go ahead and, and, and follow that link. And then finally, um, where can listeners... Uh, oh, I think we've... Um, Got a bad connection. Uh, just checking that just long. Yeah, yep, looks good. Yeah. Um, finally, where can listeners connect with you uh, or find out a little bit more about you? Yeah, we can uh, definitely stay connected on, on LinkedIn, on Twitter. Uh, if you like to see uh, my food, uh, you can connect my Instagram as well. I, I cook a lot, although I do I spend most of my time doing business throughout the week, but I try my best to uh, try new food, cook myself, serve my families, and I often uh, publish on my Instagram. Okay, that's brilliant. I'll share those links as well in the show notes. So, um, yeah, Felix, that's been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I really do appreciate it. And, um, I'm, yeah, I'm really grateful for all the insight that you've shared. No problem. It's my pleasure. Wow, some really great insights there from Felix. And, um, Again, I wanted to say thank you and, of course, wrap up the show with sharing some of the key takeaways that, that sprung out to me and some of the insights that I drew out of the conversation. Uh, I also want to say before um, I get into that detail is that one of the things that Felix talked a lot about on the show was the whole uh, sort of no-code movement and um, the way that technology has been becoming more accessible to, uh, I guess, people who aren't really coders. And um, since the interview, I've gotten started on looking at quite a few things and working on a side project. So again, I just want to say thank you to Felix for introducing me to the whole uh, concept and community of No Code. Um, if you want to learn a little bit more about what I'm doing, just take a look at my Twitter account. That's at Gunter Richter. I am building a project at the moment, uh, which is going to be a change management toolkit uh, for change managers and project managers. Um, building it using no-code technologies. So go ahead and take a look. Uh, and also, I mean, in the show notes, there's Felix um, Felix's contact details. Take a look at his Twitter. He's really active in the no-code community. He shares some really fantastic insights and tips and tools. Take a look at his work. Take a look at his side projects uh, or his passion projects, as he calls them. There's some great stuff there. So uh, what else did I take away from the show? Well, uh, I think some of the things that came out were about the importance of finding your tribe or building your own tribe. And, you know, this is a great tool to not only help you help others, but to to learn yourself, you know, so building that tribe, building that community. 
along with that, there's so many other resources available. Felix mentioned some key ones like Code Academy uh, and YouTube as great places to start. There's loads out there. And again, you know, if you just take a look at some of his Twitter uh, feed, uh, there's some, some other great tools that he shares. Storytelling was something he mentioned was a really good transferable skill to, to build and work on. Again, you know, it's come out in a number of the podcast episodes. Um, giving people access to knowledge is important. And he talked about the beauty of education. You know, don't underestimate how beautiful and important education is. And, you know, it's not to say university education, it's any form of education, you know. So just think about that learning. Think about that lifetime uh, learning. Um, interestingly, well, very interesting was the score sheet concept that Felix talked about where he'd set... Uh, I guess an amount of targets around working in different roles, different verticals and different sizes of organizations or maturities and kind of using these as a tick box and, you know, reviewing these on a regular basis to to track and plan his career. Um, he said, you know, keep looking out for problems and how these can be solved and, you know, do this as a side hustle. It might not be part of your everyday role. Do it as a side hustle because you're going to be developing your own skills, learning new things, and you're going to be solving problems for others. So that's really great advice. Um, we've spoken about no-code tools. Um, so, uh, yeah, just, just to call those out again, there's some fantastic tools and platforms out there. Uh, the other thing that was very important to me was uh, Felix said, no matter how senior you are, you always need to be learning. And um, I guess senior can be read in more than one ways, you know, either senior within the organization or your career level. Uh, or both in terms of your your age. So um, you know, don't think that you can't learn. It's 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 never stop learning. Uh, create a routine that'll enable your your learning goals. And Felix mentioned some approaches that he uses. Um, he called it compound his compounding his learning experience by making notes of his learnings, noting the sources down where he learned these things, and importantly, connecting with the author. Uh, again, you know, where you often get more insight and of course you, you build your network. So that's it for me today. Um, another fantastic episode. Thank you again uh, to Felix for giving your time. Uh, I really enjoyed the chat and thank you to the listeners. Um, I really do appreciate you tuning into the show. Uh, any feedback that comes through is also appreciated, suggestions, etc., etc. Have a fantastic Christmas and New Year. Uh, have a good break. And um, I will talk to you in the next episode. Bye-bye and take care.